for rolling. Um, this is uh, Judgment Day, Dolly Parton. Yeah, probably. Okay. Hello and welcome to Judgment Day, the film podcast that pits your favorite films against Terminator 2. I'm your host, Michael Carroll. Uh, our subject today is Dolly Parton, and my guest is my wife, Olivia. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Um, let's uh, let's introduce Dolly Parton here a little bit. Um, I don't think I uh, shoot. I was aware of who Dolly Parton was um, before uh, we started dating. I don't think. Uh, I'd ever seen a movie she was in. I was vaguely aware of her music. Um, I It was very accessible country stuff for me because I also wasn't too into country before we started dating. And then now it's something I listen to a lot. And, and she was, she's definitely a gateway drug for a lot of that stuff, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. She's like an icon. Yeah. Just part of the air. I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't, I can't remember the first time I heard a Dolly Parton song. I just, uh, always remember knowing who she was and I do remember the first time I went to Dollywood but yeah well when did you go to Dollywood um the year that my mom's family reunion was in Pigeon Forge Tennessee and how old were you like 14 really 15? I feel like I knew this stuff at one point Maybe. it's it's ringing a distant bell what's Dollywood like it's like an amusement park yeah um is there how Dolly centric is it, or was it at that time? You know, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is great tape here. This is not That's fine. Don't worry. I just remember them. The there were some weird like German dancers. That's my I don't my like main that. memory yeah. of it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, uh. Did you grow up watching Dolly Parton movies? I feel like a lot of these we kind of discovered together. Um, like she was in the air. Yeah, I mean, musically, I've I saw Steel Magnolias before I met you. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I think we'll, we'll skip I to think. it. Yeah, I think I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I watched it with my mom. I'd never seen 9 to 5 until we saw it together. Yeah. And then, so, our, yeah, our movies today are nine to, uh, 1980s, 9 to 5, 1984's Rhinestone, and 1988, 1988's Steel Magnolias. So, um, do you want to jump into 9 to 5? Sure. Okay. So, Dolly made her film debut in this hit comedy, which teamed her up with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. The three stars are co-workers in a toxic office space ruled by their, quote, sexist, egotistical, bigoted boss uh played by dabney coleman you forgot lying lying oh wait how's it go uh okay now i don't remember okay. <laughs> uh they form an unlikely friendship slapstick comedy ensues they end up kidnapping their boss and creating a more equitable work environment for all reasonable summary of the movie mm-hmm. um um we discovered this movie together uh a long time ago um I remember it being just like just so much fun when we were when when we watched it um, originally. I don't know. It was a little tough watching it again. Yeah, Um, it was not as fun this this time. It's 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 um, it's a movie. It's it's a movie that really um, it relies on a few jokes and it just drives those jokes as far as they can go. And then it kind of goes a little further, but then they also, uh, it just, it needed scissors, you know, like it's, uh, it's almost two hours or it's about two hours. And, you know, it really like you could cut a quarter of that stuff and, and, um, um, you know, it would be stronger because there's really good stuff sprinkled throughout. Uh, I felt. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good movie. Yeah. But I think it just doesn't quite I mean it's it's probably the sh- like one of the stronger feminist statements of 1980 and mm-hmm. in you know 2009 that statement rang a lot more true than it does in uh in 2020. 2020. Why do you say that? Well, it's just like it's such a uh such a, like a 
it's it's premised on the idea that getting uh corporate recognition is like the the central goal of the feminism of the film mm-hmm. and it's hard now to watch that given you know lean in and given white corporate feminism in over the past five years or so yeah it kind of colors everything in that movie that's really just about equity for people who are doing the work and creating a working environment that's accessible but underneath of that is sort of Lily Tomlin's drive to become an executive and in a world where there are women executives and you know that's like a goal that relies on other women to take care of their families and you know that just doesn't quite ring as such an exciting way to Mm -hmm. move forward um but there is i mean i did find that i did i mean there was something about like when they transformed the office in the third act that that still was kind of moving just like the idea there was some phrasing about like the way that they made the spaces more accessible i mean like it's almost like if you if you it's like that they worked equity into the um um into the film stop me if i'm like maybe kind of like going in circles here um not even so much that it yeah like removing lily tomlin um and and what you were saying there like there was something that was just genuinely moving that like there are people who get left behind you know uh i i hear what you're saying and 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 yes and there is also some stuff that like made me feel good about oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's a great movie (laughs) it's really it's really fun it's really funny and it is really moving to watch uh well one to watch Dolly Parton mm-hmm. hogtie her sexual harasser. Yeah. And kidnap him and lock him in his own mansion that's so far back from the road that I have we're allowed to do spoilers, are we allowed to yeah, do yeah, spoilers? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Just go just go in. Okay. So so that's fun. Um it's fun to watch Jane Fonda go from being a like uh overwhelmed person who's never had to work in her life to being someone who's like willing to kidnap her boss because it's unfair that her coworker got fired and like yeah that is like the organizer's dream of what mm-hmm. a future union member would be because that's like an enormous leap to go but i i mean you feel it with her she's just like but that's not fair yeah like what are we gonna do about this yeah um and their solution is to kidnap their boss <laughs> through hijinks um d- um there's um there's a lot of fun in the middle with like a dead body um i kind of feel like there's like this this morbid turn it i takes. forgot all about i that. know but that's the that's the thing is like uh, again there's fun in there that like uh and it goes on but it's almost like there was like a, a tonal shift um uh they they accidentally um poisoned their boss by making him coffee um just backing up a second from that daphne coleman the 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 evil boss there um he his character does some stuff that that still really rings true like there there's this whole thing about um um buying a scarf um you know having people make coffee that aren't supposed to make coffee uh dangling promotions and 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 it really was just like um him trying to get away with what he can get away with that um you know um i've worked in environments where i'm I'm just like oh that you know (laughs) and taking credit for his female employees ideas and yeah passing them off in his own and then getting the promotions and all of it rings true it's just the the kind of idea of that being the goal of feminism yeah is does not ring true to me well let's let's Um, put that in let's put that in the pile for when we get to a different film yeah talking about rhinestone yeah uh uh but let's just go back to the the leads here because this is something that i think is very interesting this was her first film how do you think that like she did i think she's great yeah i think i mean she you know how sometimes when someone is not a professional actor Mm -hmm. you can like them because they have a stage presence and they're a performer obviously there's like some equivalent skills but you don't always like know you know so you notice that they're acting mm-hmm. and i don't think that you notice that she's acting yeah um she's very natural and she's very sunny um but she is also kind of she she's not um 
she's not polished uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, she she's very like she is a creation that she has made unto herself. You know, right? Um, I mean, she's not, she's not like she doesn't have a huge range. Yeah. Um, but and... but within within that range that she has, I you know I don't know. Um, I I think it's interesting. Maybe it's me like kind of like taking outside stimuli and like you know uh, making sense of something that uh, you know unfairly, but like. Um, Thinking about the show Grace and Frankie, which I, I've never seen an episode. No, but I lots of people really like it. Yeah, yeah, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. If Dolly Parton was in it, I would have watched it. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. Um, the uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda really seem like they're a great match for each other, and it really seems like they they um, they are. There's this thing about the Three Stooges. I'm going somewhere with this that there's Mo and Curly, and they were like brothers, and and there was um. Larry, um, who um, was just he was the third stooge and he kind of like um, didn't have the same bits. uh, And but he was kind of important because they work as three stooges and not as two. And and I kind of feel like that's Dolly here a little bit. Like I feel like um, Tomlin and Fonda really like they vibe really well and they're kind of working Dolly in. And that's not to, you know, it's not to say that anyone wasn't like you know doing a great job. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very different. They're a very different caliber actresses. Yeah, I mean Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are incredible actresses, and Dolly Parton is an incredible performer. Um, did you notice that um, the therapist from the Terminator movies was in this? I can't. Remember. I did not. I, have, I had his name written down in my notes, but I'm having some technical difficulties. But um, uh, I looked him up, and that's like one of the few movies hmm. that I've seen that he's been in. But hmm. like, yeah, he's he's um, the the big CEO at the end. He's like um, he's like the harbinger for that guy. Oh. So he's like sniffing around. You know. Anyway, it was just a funny note. Um, that is funny. Uh, you got anything else on nine to five? You want to make sure you say. Um, well, I was just gonna say that if I, if you had asked me the plot to that movie mm. before we rewatched it, I would have said that Jane Fonda is a new divorcee mm-hmm. starting work in a big company. Lily Tomlin is the seasoned supervisor who can't break through the glass ceiling. Dolly Parton is the secretary uh, to the C- the CEO or the, the yeah, boss of the, the floor the lying, or whatever. bigoted, yeah. Just egoti- lying, egotistical, hypocritical bigot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three of them team up to uh, take over the office. And I I thought they just kidnapped him. Yeah. And and that was it. I forgot all about the stealing. And, and all of that is like the part where they could have cut, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. that's all I really wanted to say. Just that that part was both not memorable and kind of boring. There was also some stuff I was, uh, I, I should also say there's some stuff at the end where I think uh, the boss, because this last time, honestly, um, we were petering out, like it would have been the end of a long day, but like, um, I recall, like we didn't watch the last few minutes, but we kind of remember how everything goes. I recall there being some stuff where he gets like sent to Africa, like he gets reassigned to Africa at the end and he hates it. And it's just that there's some, there's some stuff it's there that's the, just it's like the Amazon It's the Amazon. Yeah. yeah. There's some stuff there that, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good movie, pretty progressive. And then at the last second, it's like, you know, yeah. here's the twist. Yep. Um, Let's jump into Rhinestone. All right. Uh, Dolly teams up with Sylvester Stallone in a Pygmalion-type story. It's 1984, and she's the headliner at a New York City honky-tonk trying to get out of her contract. When she strikes a deal with the owner, she has to turn Stallone into the next country music sensation. The two stars go down to Tennessee to practice. Will they fall in love? I did not see the romance coming. <laughs> really? I, I think he's just so revolting. Well, no, I mean, like, look, um, here, okay, here's the thing about this. I think we probably would have recorded this episode like a long time before this because we had two movies that we both really liked, um, Nine to Five and Steel Magnolias. Mm-hmm. And, and hey, if we were going to do a third uh, Dolly Parton movie, what would it be? And I've been fascinated by this movie since I heard about it. And it just like became the sick obsession. And, and I, I, I kind of went to some lengths to uh, find a copy of it that we could watch. And and the whole time I was like, I'm not even going to like this. I don't know why I do this to myself. But I was just fascinated by Stallone and Dolly side by side, um, especially in that era, um, especially with the plot. And I was surprised at how much it didn't, it wasn't, 
it wasn't boring. <laughs> it was not boring. <laughs> it was fascinating to like come out the other end of that. Um, d- uh, there's great music. Um, Stallone um, was just so likable at this era when he wasn't doing completely reactionary, like um, deranged yeah. right wing shit. Um, and I and never saw any of I. I don't. I've never. You're not I'm, a Stallone. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I think I. I saw Creed. Yeah. Yeah. I had to literally explain like the Rocky yeah. franchise to you before we saw it. I uh, just like Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, what was what's kind of funny about the plot for me is that it's about Dolly teaching Stallone to be a country music sensation, um, but also I think there's something where it's like a, a Dolly. Um, kind of doing a uh, a big romantic comedy. Now, did you laugh while you were watching this movie? Um, maybe on the inside. There was at least, there were a few really good scenes uh, with um, Stallone bringing this country music sensation into his like Italian uh, New York uh, oh, you m- know, milieu. I did laugh when... Um... He started playing the organ in the funeral home. Yeah, because he kind of like has like he has, you know, um, he has no musical talent and he never actually gets musical talent in the film. But I think he just like learns to believe in himself and have charisma. And that's kind of what sells it at the end. I mean, the movie kind of moves through all the like um, uh, paces that you kind of think it's going to. Uh, and um you know, I'm surprised you didn't think that they were going to fall in love. Well, I mean, I guess I could have seen it coming, but I just didn't put that much thought into but, it. What What I find interesting about Parton in 9 to 5 and in Steel Magnolias is that um, she, in both movies, uh, she has a, like a husband on the side that you're aware of, but that that isn't necessarily like kind of like really important to mm-hmm. to like the plot of the movie it just is kind of like a character trait she has which is actually kind of like her story too in a lot of ways like or at least the public persona that she has created like she has a husband you never see him he's a private guy you know um and i kind of what i like about her is that she comes off when she's doing a movie as like um oh it's dolly parton she's like her character is this or something like that but you know it's her Mm -hmm. um I don't know. I feel yeah, like I mean, I guess much. that's well. I I don't know if I was just so much more invested in making sure that Dolly won this bet and got out of her contract. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. The skeezy guy that she made the deal with, we I didn't want to see her have to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Or if you just don't ever think about her as like as much as she's like a, a hypersexualized yeah. person, you don't actually. She's not. In most of her movies, she's not like she's incredibly wholesome. Yeah, you it's, know, it's not like she's never in a room. And even in even this movie was completely wholesome. Yeah, yeah, it was wholesome. And and, and I think that was part of like the thing was that like wh- why they were kind of so incompatible because I think they're both like very charming people and uh, at least I don't know thinking of like other celebrities like maybe we'll get to this with still with uh, Schwarzenegger a little bit later. But like I think that like. Um, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger tends to work with people who, you know, he he's Schwarzenegger when he's on screen. Um, he kind of like when he like is teamed up with like um, uh, people who are like uh, significant others for him. Like they tend to need to bring a lot of emotional depth to it. Like Linda Hamilton. Like not that they are you know um, in love or anything mm-hmm. like that in that movie. Obviously not. But they but you know they are like significant to each other so. or like that movie where um that we watched at christmas jingle all the way yeah 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 i mean he we'll get to it um uh there there's um it's worth it's also worth noting that there's like this whole like trump hotel uh th- so the the owner of the nightclub is out of the trump hotel and there's they they definitely like stay on shots so that you're aware that like this like um nightclub owner is in this prestigious uh, apartment complex and there was some like um white identity stuff that i was actually kind of thinking about a little bit um like you know one of the things that was like maybe like 
there's an insidious undertone that I had while watching this movie, which was difficult to say because it's a film that I genuinely enjoyed watching. Tell me if this if this about when they're in Tennessee or in New well, York. Well, no, no, or... when they're when they're in New York because it is sort of like the, this like um, in, in in at that point in the eighties there was sort of I think this like and, and maybe this is me rambling and getting off Dolly uh, a little too much, but there's sort of this thing where it's like um, you know. Uh, New York, uh, you know, like urban conservatism and, you know, um, country western, you know, quote, air quote, you know, conservatism, like getting together under this fridge, which was the Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. This is me creating meaning where there probably is mm-hmm. meaning, and I'll probably end up cutting it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's worth pointing out that, like, the only people of color in these movies are, like, side characters who may or may not have names yeah. or like the Japanese tourists in the cab mm-hmm. are the butt of a joke. Um, but also kind of making fun of America because they come to New York yeah. City to see cowboys, which is funny. Yeah. Um, in that regard, but, mm-hmm. you know, also. We're having in high, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like one of the things that I think, like in contrast to nine to five, um, which I think had like a lot of really progressive, uh, values that short sight as they were you know for 1980 very progressive values um but there was something of a, of a turn in rhinestone that caught me off guard um i don't know what else do we have to say about rhinestone it's, it's stallone just charms is charming as hell yeah he really is at the end he he can't sing and he's getting heckled at the beginning and then he's like oh okay what you're gonna make fun of me what like hey hey where are all the single women hey where are all the horny women hey you know it's just like and then, you know, everyone's like, woohoo. Yeah. Know, I mean, vibe. You know, I've seen country shows in New York City. Mm-hmm. I don't really, like, I don't know what that club is supposed to be. Yeah. It, like, I don't know what that audience was supposed to be. That's yeah. not like, like, I think they're taking the idea of like a rude New York audience, like yeah. hard to please, but yeah. like for country music, it's just that all feels incredibly contrived to me, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Um, the price of admission. I also thought that the, uh, I don't know, the third act twist caught me off guard and, mm-hmm. and I just was like, he didn't have to do that. What, where they fall in love? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh. Not that part. The the part where he like, they get into a fight because he's decided that he's going to be a star. He, yeah. He actually does want to be a star. Yeah. But that, like, that, that felt like, that really did feel like Stallone. I mean, here's an, uh, one. I, of, I was just, I guess by that point I was just ready for them to like wrap it up, have a victory. Mm-hmm. I guess he's not like. I never really thought about him as having like any motivation beyond yeah. he's he's doing this bet because the guy says he'll pay to fix his cab, yeah, and buy him the cab outright so he mm-hmm. can own his own cab. Which yeah, and then he goes he 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 gets kind of stars in his eyes. And, yeah, you know. and and it was just sort of like, <laughs> like what <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I feel like we could go on and on about this film with like a sense of wonderment. I'm glad I saw it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, don't think I, I never necessarily need to see it again. No, I, but I it was fun. Uh, check out the soundtrack. That's a great soundtrack. Um, ready to jump into the big one? I'm gonna start crying. Oh God, Steel Magnolia. Okay. Okay. Three years in the life of six women in New Orleans. Sally Field prepares for it's her not daughter. Set in New Orleans. I'm sorry. In Louisiana. Yeah. I'm sorry. Three scenes in the life of six women in Louisiana. Sally Field prepares for her daughter, Julia Roberts' wedding. Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine are their friends and neighbors. Dolly Parton is their hairdresser, and Daryl Hannah is her assistant, and their interlocking friendships get explored through a wedding, the birth of a child, and a funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm going to cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. I where, love, do we, where do I we start? Lo- I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie because it uh, lets you feel all of the feelings in the entire world without ever having to think about your own feelings. Mm-hmm. And I always show it to people who need to cry Yeah, about something happening in their life so that they don't have to actually cry about that. And it works. It's like a mental health product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like a good short term uh Peyton reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go on a limb uh, and assume that like um, 
most people listening to this program either haven't seen it or, or they have preconceived notions about this film without having seen it. Um, and, and I certainly did um, for years uh, uh, when I was working at a video store growing up. Um, uh, uh, I would use it as the butt of a joke and like put it in like friends, like um, employees pick sections and they'd get real angry and be like, oh, I never even seen this film. Um, then, um, we started cohabitating, um, and I think just being around you, this, I, I kind of absorbed this movie and, um, um, it works like a Linklater film in that it is about spending time with people, listening to people, um, and, um, kind of, uh, just, um, soaking in milieu and soaking in emotions, you know, it, it works not dissimilarly from, Days and Confused or Boyhood. Yeah. Um, and I think that Steel Magnolias is about six women and their friendship. And you see um, how that friendship, you see the contours of that friendship, sort of like boundaries or lack thereof, and the way they support each other and the way they test each other and push each other. Um, and then um, you see... Uh, um, it's not that that friendship ever necessarily really gets tested because it's always sort of a given that they'll be kind of coming back to each other, but it's, it's about understanding what the function of that is in their most like vulnerable points in life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to remove the plot from me with the fact that it was written by the brother of Julia Roberts's character in real life. Right. The, the playwright based um, the story off of uh, yeah. Off of his own life and, and mm-hmm. his own... Um, the women in his life. And, well, the women in his mother's life who mm-hmm. uh, helped her get through the death of her daughter. Yeah. His sister, which, I mean... Spoiler warning. Yeah. Like, yeah, so Sally Field... Um, uh, well, yeah, Julia Roberts ha- is... Um, what is it? She's diabetic. She's diabetic. Um, that it gets introduced in a very interesting way. It, the The film does a real tonal shift um, in, in the middle of the first act, where it, it's revealed because she's getting ready for Julia Roberts's wedding, um, and Julia Roberts is suddenly she just uh, like uh, you know the music becomes like very spooky, and she has this intense look on her face, and she's going and she, she has a she's uh, she's an insulin shock i think is what it's something called. like that yeah and and um it, and it really like this movie doesn't prepare you for it and it really is kind of shocking and and that actually like kind of well and daryl hannah everyone else in the room knows this character and mm-hmm. knows what her you know that this the, is a part of her life yeah 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 but daryl hannah has just started that day she's kind of the the audience yes. member's eyes in the in the movie in a lot of ways at this point where like she's kind of introduced the characters yeah so it's it's very uh it's jarring and then what's funny is like um when um julia roberts condition gets more serious later on in the film it really just like um is that you know 10 times it just it hits you like a a piano falling on you or something like because because now like there are these serious consequences and and they do have to face the fact that one of their that one of these characters might you know uh die and and it feels very subtle the way they prepare you for this it i guess what i'm saying is it really earns a lot of its emotional um big moments Mm -hmm. you know which i think really separates it from like a lot of movies just in general like you know not even like dramas uh, you know but just you know a lot of movies that really like um slowly you know plants a lot of seeds and then yeah well also it's i mean it's really about um, it's really a movie about two mothers right like there's Mm -hmm. sally field's character malin who wants more than anything to protect her child who is uh, has a, I guess, a rare form of diabetes or an extreme form of diabetes that makes her body uh, not strong enough to carry a child. And Julia Roberts's character wants to have a child more than anything, and eventually decides to have a child despite the risk to her health. And um, and you see all of this as it plays out through the community that her mother has in her beauty parlor. Yeah. So you don't. You, there's actually not that many scenes about their private family life. No, where the friends aren't there. It's, yeah, it's really about how you experience other people's lives through your sense of 
a broader community. Yeah. And. And let's talk about Shirley MacLaine and. Uh, oh, and she's so good. <laughs> she's so good. And, and Olympia Dukakis. I feel like I could do another episode about Shirley MacLaine movies and just yeah. pick two other movies and have the same conversation about I Steel Magnolias. I think we'll have some interesting like... ones. Um, uh, um, anyway, uh, very, uh, just great, um, I don't know, Shirley MacLaine is my mom, basically. Shirley MacLaine is amazing. Yeah. She, but everybody has a pair. So there's, yeah. there's Malin and Julia Roberts' character, mm-hmm. Sally Field and Julia Roberts' character. Mm-hmm. They're a mother and daughter pair. Mm-hmm. Then you have, uh, Dolly Parton and Daryl Hannah, mm-hmm. who are beautician, glamour technician. Mm-hmm. And glamour assistant, glamour technician, and yeah. um, and their relationships, and then you have uh, Olympia Dukakis and Sally Field, um, and and, um, uh, Shirley and Shirley MacLaine together. Yeah. Um, and they and they kind of bicker, and one of them's very sunny, and one of them's you know just a uh, you know really you know ang- you know mean and like uh, antagonizing mm-hmm. to to the group. And uh, yeah, they 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 all and just antagonizing like, to the world. Antagonizing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They really do like I think you know uh, as the film like kind of shows and reshows is that they they all really love each other and like they all sort of like need each other to you know support each other. Oh, I think one of the they, they they draw strength from each other. I think one of the pivotal scenes is in the middle of the movie when Sally Field is donating a kidney to Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. and you see. Uh, you see Daryl Hannah trying to, who's like a young, she's probably 19 years old, maybe, tr- you know, a new adult, new to this relationship with these families, new to the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, really cares about Julia Roberts, really cares about Sally Field and wants to make a casserole to take to the, uh, to the family so that they can have a little bit of support during this time. And so she's trying to make red beans and rice. And she realizes she has to soak the beans overnight and she's so upset. And then it cuts to uh, Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine in the grocery store. And and, (laughs) it's just such a moving scene because they're they're, uh, they're there to basically grab. They want to just drop off some groceries, but well, first you have, uh, you have Shirley MacLaine who is in the previous scene in the beauty parlor said something like how she doesn't eat healthy food because the sooner her body gives out the better. Yes. And so Bali. then she's sitting in the grocery store saying, I shouldn't have said that. I feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. Poor Shelby's body is going to give out. You know, and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like a moment where you've every single person in the whole world has said something like that. Yeah. And without realizing, you know, the impact that it might have on someone else and then regretted it. and Right, because they, because they, they, they genuinely, you know, they, they have their acts that they play for each other. But they also have, you know, uh, in their independent friendships, they, they can be more unguarded. Yeah, it's just a deep amount of care. And then, and then uh, Olympia Dukakis says, oh, don't, don't worry, no one ever listens to you. Yes, exactly. Like, no, I'm and, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's it. just it's just a perfect moment of levity. And then yeah. and then simultaneously, Olympia Dukakis is filling her cart with this cart that's it's supposed to just be a gesture of dropping off some groceries for the family. It's like full to the brim. Yeah, she puts fourteen cans of baked beans in there because Malin's husband Drum loves baked beans, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's it's like all of these three scenes are right in a row where it's you know someone trying to do something, but they're not prepared to do it. They're overwhelmed by doing it, but they just feel so uh, strongly that they want to take care of somebody that they're like ag- uh, stressing and agonizing over yeah. it and then worrying about something that you said and then just like compulsively <laughs> trying to solve your problems by buying someone food or like. Yeah, I just, mean, well, they're I will maybe they're not universal, but they're deeply. I've had all three of those feelings. Yes. Um, it's it's an aspirational community, you know. It's it's either like an, an uh, like I think the pleasure of watching it, I think, is is like um, either feeling recognition to how your community helps you process things, or to or or just like it, like yeah i don't know i think i think it's recognizing like great ways that like your community imperfectly um supports you and how you and how it makes you feel when you have supported your community mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways that like if they're not true it's it's at least aspirational uh dolly has her best hair in this movie oh yeah for and sure 
I mean, she kind of has to because it's like part of her character, but also her hair just got like better, like as she grew as like a film star. Yeah, it takes a lot of. Uh, what does she say? It takes a lot of effort to look this good. A lot of money to look this cheap. No, no. I mean, that's her quote, but no, okay. from the movie, oh, it, yeah. the, her line in the movie is, "Takes a lot of work to look like this," or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no such thing as natural beauty. There's no such thing as natural beauty. Remember that or we'll all be out of the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, again, she has uh, she has a great um, uh, relationship with Sam Shepard. They, they were great to actually like watch on screen together. And, and they really felt like, um, oh, yeah, that's the, like those are like two people who are so fucking cool that like um, – of course, they like love each other and everything, and you know. Yeah, but it's also nice because they're struggling in their relationship, and you see yeah. how, even when they're struggling, when when the broader community is struggling, you know, Sam Shepard, who is kind of in a depression, I think, over yeah. unemployment, is comes out of his shell and realizes mm-hmm. he has to tell Dolly Parton that he cares about her, and yeah, it's it feels very earned by the broader plot yeah. as well. It's not like. So it's not like a side story. It's like a, it's interwoven. Yeah. Um, and again, she's, you know, kind of, I think she, she's playing herself uh, really well. Um, I feel like I, I was sort of what we were saying before. I was watching all these other women and um, um, they all felt like, oh, I, I know, you know, Sally Field is sort of broadly playing a type. And Julia Roberts is probably playing type. But Julia Roberts' best role, easily, uh, you know. Um, um. Dolly Parton is really just playing Dolly Parton, but that it works because she's, you know, I think she, I don't know, I, again, I, I think she is actually, like, kind of, like, cool, and she is sort of someone who is, like, I, it would feel so cool to, like, think that, like, my community is something that, like, Dolly Parton draws energy from and helps her, you know, process her, you know, stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, these are, like, beyond a-list actresses again yeah you know so i i think it really shows you the difference between steel magnolias and rhinestone is that mm-hmm. like dolly pardon can in a room full of a-list actresses be a part of something that's like subtle and yeah special. you know yeah and and she can also hold her own in a like big showy movie that's really about the broad strokes but mm-hmm. you know i think it does show that she does have more range than she's maybe always given credit for as an actress because you know she's not doing any of the the really heavy lifting but mm-hmm. she is holding her own among these actresses that are just beyond um recognized for yeah. their ability to to do serious acting work any other thoughts on steel magnolias before we get into the I mean, you should watch it. Everyone and should watch it. If you, you just, just fucking, everyone should just fucking watch it. If you don't, if you don't <laughs> want to see it, you should examine what about women talking to each other. You yeah, are not interested in. Yeah. Um. Uh. Terminator Two. That's a fucking great movie. It's a fucking great movie. When did you first see Terminator 2? When you showed it to me? Yeah. How old were you? Uh, 24. It was one of my fondest memories. Well, like, A, discovering that you had not seen Terminator 2 before. I've still never seen Terminator 1, for yeah, the record. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for a special day, you yeah. know. Um, uh, we were still smokers at the time, and um, we... Uh, we're getting towards the third act. There had just been the shootout in the office building at Skynet, and and they were being chased by the T one thousand. And we ran out of cigarettes, and we were like, "Okay, we have to pause the movie. And we have to keep, you know, getting cigarettes." And just the 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 thrill of like pausing at that moment when the action is just like escalating and escalating and escalating, and then like having to like run to get this stuff. It's is... probably the most fun I've ever had watching a movie. Oof. That I mean that yeah. that specific screening. Yeah. At that time, yeah. in that place was Being, the most fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in people who come to Terminator 2 late. Um, we'll do stuff on that later. But um, uh, what did you expect you were going to see, and what were you surprised by what you saw? Well. I know this is like thoughts that are like going on 10 years old now. I, I did not have a lot of preconceived notions about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, given that I never saw the first one, 
I just knew that it was the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's, I had about as much a, of a c- coherence of it as I had about, like, commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess since we're talking about performance, this, this is kind of a performance-heavy episode of what we're talking about here. Is there anything that you want to say about, like, Linda Hamilton or Schwarzenegger or um, John Connor? Um. Well, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a very good actor. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it works because he's a robot. So, yeah. you know, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but he is, he is, well, I don't know. He's he's a presence. He's a screen presence. Yeah, he's a presence. You know? I mean, this movie relies on how uh, completely charming the kid who plays John Connor is and how compelling. I don't even know what. His... Edward Furlong. And and then and Linda Hamilton's like incredible performance mm-hmm. where she's just talk about range. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of like uh, just um, vulnerability uh, going parallel with she's just a, an open wound. Sorry, and I mean she just like is like a complete transformation between, um, you know, someone who's like I you know you could see. Her in her flashback scene where she's just a mom pushing her kid on the swing or whatever, mm-hmm. you could see her like having just left the Steel Magnolias barbershop. Yeah. Like, sure. You know, yeah. she's such a, an innocent, uh, poofy haired lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know? you, you're going to really enjoy the first one when we sit down with it. Anyway. And, and then, you know, th- if you just remember back to the first scene where the first scene that she's in where she's like turned her metal bed frame in an institution over so that she can do chin ups on Mm -hmm. it and you know and her I mean her escape from the uh, asylum and just some incredible action movie sequence yeah a lot of that movie is just really exciting action movie sequences and having it be a, a woman who's doing it and doing it because she's trying to save the world and also trying to keep her kids safe. Mm-hmm. And also having to work um, side by side with um, a presence, a screen presence that tried to kill her. Um, and I kind of, I kind of wish that um, the film explored that more. I kind you know, yeah, well, just something, something yeah, that's I, mean, that, that I was e- thinking about this last she does screening that we watched it, it together. pretty quickly. That yeah. Easy. But, he also does get her out of there. Well, she's been through some shit since the first movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, any other thoughts on Terminator Two? Um, I, mean, I guess I just thought a lot about how her son had to like both deal with moving into the foster care system mm-hmm. and believing that his mother was crazy, and then feeling guilty for thinking that her mo- his mother was crazy, and that he also is so insistent that the Terminator doesn't kill anyone Mm -hmm. and that his mother doesn't kill, you know, like this, the stakes are so high and you have this kid who's really had a lot of trauma in his life and like a lot of trauma that he is just learning the truth of. And he's just like, and he's like a little like mall rat, bad kid stealing money to go to the, yeah stealing money from an atm to go to an arcade and Mm -hmm. you know but he's just refuses to let anybody die yeah and it's very sweet um let's fight these movies um uh look i think we both know where this is going in a lot of ways here like at least the first two films is uh nine to five better than terminator 2 no way no yeah just drum tight um, like you, you can't take a minute out of Terminator Two. Um, uh, again, in stark contrast to Nine to Five. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhinestone. Um, you know, I had I was talking to Victor um, when uh, when I was talking to him uh, in another episode. Uh, we were talking about Rocky Four, and we were talking about one of the things that comparing Stallone to Schwarzenegger. Um, I think Stallone, uh, Schwarzenegger tended to, at his peak, um, surround himself with really talented people and just be like, just let me go. 
what do you need me to do? How do you make me be the best um, uh, Hollywood star I can be? Stallone, by contrast, like wrote screenplays, directed. Right. I mean, and, like, it's, it's, back it's literally now, what his character in Rhinestone does. Right. He well, he wrote like, Rhinestone, right. and, and actually, if you look at the, you didn't know that. <laughs> no. If you, if, of course if, he if did. You look, if you look at the, if you look at the, um, if you look at the Wikipedia for Rhinestone, it's fascinating because he. Um, he like they it's very explicit like like the the screener is just like um yeah he just came in and uh, like uh took it over and and, and like uh, in contrast stallone was like yeah i don't know i just i wish the director had done a better job because he didn't uh, my idea of what was funny wasn't you know his idea and he had a bad sense of humor and like mm. it's, it's nobody's fault mm-hmm. um yeah and you and you feel that and and when it works for stallone it really feels like you're in his like in his head and like wait oh, so what? did he write gran torino no, that's Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. And what I, movie was he in recently? Uh, that we saw. Yeah. Stallone. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, oh well. Oh, okay. It wasn't very good. Um, Guardians Two. Yeah. No, but he was good in that movie. Yes. I liked uh, that part a lot. I mean, Schwarzenegger's likable. Uh, I mean, you uh, know, Stallone's likable. Schwarzenegger's likable. I mean, if you want to talk about Trump, though. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Terminator Two is a better film than Rhinestone. Oh yeah, but you should I cut can... this all. I mean, it's yeah. not even like uh, yeah. a debate. All right. So you've been thinking about this for some time. Mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias better or worse than Terminator Two? It's better. Okay, go ahead. I mean, number one, I've never watched Steel Magnolias without crying within the first twenty minutes. Yes. Like. It, and just in terms of being first able... First time you saw it, you were crying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in the first 20 minutes, but Essentially, shortly. Yeah, you knowing, know. I mean, you know yeah. that something is going to happen. Yeah. And the feeling of risk is there immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's there the first time you see it. It's there the fifth time you see it. Yeah. It's there the 40th time you see it. Mm-hmm. And with Terminator 2... The excitement was still there on the second viewing, but it's just not as it doesn't grab you with as much force. It's it's kind of a or yeah, it doesn't grab me with this much the, force. No, no, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, no, no. It's, um, there's no right answers here. Um, it really is like a, a quality versus quantity of like emotional involvement. Um, Terminator Two really does keep you involved the whole time. Steel Magnolias, like you know. Um, I again, I, I had to kind of go in and out of it for various reasons this last time watching it. Um, um, and and I can't think of a time where I've probably been watching it where I didn't like look at my phone for a minute or two. Um, but that doesn't mean that like when it hits those big beats specifically, there's like just the whole film. If you don't get the like the the funeral scene um, uh, at the end. Uh, involving Olympia Dukakis pushing Shirley MacLaine as like the climax of the film, yeah. like then you're not paying attention. Um, like it hits me, it just, it, it, it hits me deeper than anything in Terminator 2 can hit me. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I, I don't have I an was, answer for this myself. While I was watching Still Magnolias, I was thinking that they're in a lot of ways, they're actually very similar films. Okay. Because they're both stories about mothers who are, like, willing to go to immense extremes to take care of their children. Yeah. And they're both stories of families who risk and, like, and about people being a part of communities that have a broader purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see, like, this, there's this entire, like, military organization in, in, in Terminator 2 that's, like dependent on yeah this person staying alive but on john connor staying alive and you can see how there's this entire family and community that's like yeah he, he did he didn't just like come from like there's a lot that happens off screen but like he did have like a, a sort of maternal you know uh he he had he had a family um uh broader than his mom that uh he came out of yeah and and that it's it's like really underexplored part it, of the film yeah um I don't know. That kind of really struck me. Like these are both movies that I like because they're about moms that do yeah. the most to take care of their kids, and yeah. 
and also moms who are willing to put their trust and like explorations of how mothers evaluate the trust that they put in other people mm-hmm. when it comes to taking care of their kids and you you kind of see that when Linda Hamilton is musing about why her son chose a terminator to come back and yeah take care of him because it's the perfect father for him because he'll never yeah let get, him down yeah um yeah i think i yeah i i will say that um Steel Magnolias is a better film than Terminator. Yay! Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yes, yes, you won. Yeah, the game that I created. Um, I don't know. Uh, any any last thoughts on on Dolly? Any last thoughts on any of these films? I mean, I think Terminator would have been a better movie if Dolly Parton was in it. Ooh, shit! Like maybe she could have been his foster mom. Oh, I would have no, no, cared a lot more when she died if it was his foster mom. You're not supposed dying. to care. I know. I, and I would. I, I actually really don't like that imagery of like, um, uh, oh, I, I guess she doesn't get the knife through the head. That's her That's dumb her, husband. Yeah. <clears throat> Dolly. I mean, I would. Wa- I, I would. would wa- be, she I would, would have wa- to be a bad foster mom. Yeah, but she she was not like the worst foster mom. Well, I guess she's not shown in like. Okay, but okay. Let's. Where where else could we have fit Dolly Parton in? Um, I mean, there's just so many mean, no good people. Well, no, it's but it's really like a movie about people who think they're doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. like a a foster mom who's taking care of a kid. She's not like beating him up. Yeah, yeah. She just is not this kid's mom, and this kid is troubled, and this kid causes a lot of trouble, and it causes her a lot of trouble, and yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't see her as like a a bad foster mom. Yeah. Like, and I don't think the people in the asylum are like. Well, there's that one guy who like licks. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, except for face. the rapist, yeah. but like. Yeah, well, poverty's perfect. You know. The rest of them are not like. They just don't think that she's telling the truth. Yeah. And, they think that she's a danger to herself. You mm. know, they're not. It's not like. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cruelty in that movie by systems not believing people. Mm. Um. And including the system convincing John Connor that his mother was crazy. Yeah. And but it's not like it's not a movie about th- people being bad. It's a movie about systems being bad. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like what you, I think the film. If the film was going to incorporate Dolly Parton, it would be stronger. But it would. She is such a presence that I think it would have to be. Um, uh, they'd have to have incorporated her independent of you know um, the script that they shot yeah. with you know yeah maybe they could have well, maybe they could have oh waitress uh, uh linda hamilton has to swing by her old uh some of her yeah. friends from when she was a waitress yeah and that'd be Stolly nice being like you know or she could have you need to borrow my car sugar something you, like you could have not been set in california and <laughs> then she could have gone to dolly's house when she needed to like go yeah. like i could see dolly as like when shit gets really rough and you need to go out to the the hills of Tennessee. Yeah. To, but then that'd be yeah. too much like Rhinestone. Well, no, because it would be different. Um, any last thoughts? No, that's it. Olivia, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Hasta no. la vista. <laughs>